This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to The Dworkin Report. I'm Scott Dworkin. Today on the show, investigative journalist, Wendy Siegelman. Awesome conversation. We talk extensively about her investigation into Cambridge Analytica and all of the offshoots that it's uh, formed and Emmerdata. It's a really interesting conversation. It's great to, to see patriots like her and her hard work. If you've uh, seen charts that are surrounding scandal involving Trump, then you have probably seen her work. Anyways, here is my interview with Wendy Siegelman. Wendy Siegelman, welcome to the Dworkin Report. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. You know, uh, it's uh, every time I read your Twitter feed, it kind of gets my heart thumping a little bit too heavy but uh you know i'm feeling nice and healthy a little anxious after after reading your feed but i guess that's normal right <laughs> it's not my intent uh probably expressing my own anxiety and concerns and it's coming through i think we all share a lot of anxiety right now it's uh, coming through clearly i can tell you that uh, now uh, just for listeners that don't know about the investigative work that you've done um, could you tell uh, us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, your background, uh, and whatnot? Sure. Um, so I, I'm a relatively new um, freelance journalist, uh, citizen journalist. Um, my background was in the corporate world in financial services. Um, I have kind of a varied background, but I started... Um, on Twitter and I started doing research and I started publishing charts and articles really um, since the election. So I, I was very much triggered by the election and like uh, thousands and millions of people across the country trying to figure out how to funnel um, my concerns and my fears. And I, I just started diving into research um, and doing a lot of research keeping it to myself. I had hundreds of pages amassed. And then I um, started to share information on Twitter and then um, eventually started to make some charts and articles and have had a few things published. Um, but I mostly draw upon prior experience that I've, I've had uh, doing research, um, doing financial um, analysis of companies, Connecting, the, connecting the dots on those those different things, connecting the dots in like charts and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So I I had worked um, for several years at Dow Jones building um, news websites. So I was not a reporter, but I I built web products for news, and I thought a lot about how news and information is presented. 
And so, and I also was an artist, I, I used to paint. And so for me, um, I think very visually. So when I started to take all the research I'd done, it made sense for me to start to chart it out. And then when you, uh, I guess, how did you get started into this whole world of, you know, investigating Trump and uh, Cambridge Analytica and whatnot? How did you get involved with that? How did you take the turn? So um, after the election, there were a couple of stories that really caught my attention. One, One of the first stories was the story about the server in Trump Tower that was um, allegedly connecting with Alpha Bank, with Spectrum Healthcare um, in Michigan and and with Trump. And that kind of piqued my interest. And then somehow I stumbled into um, learning about Cambridge Analytica. And I had actually read a little bit of the work of um, Anne Marlowe, who is a, a great investigative researcher, and she published published a story about Cambridge Analytica in um, August of 2016, showing some connections with um, Vincent Cengiz, the largest shareholder um, up through 2015 in Cambridge Analytica's parent company, SEL Group, right. and ask, asking the question, where is the data going that was collected by Cambridge Analytica when they worked for the Trump campaign? And that, that really concerned me. It was kind of, who has our data? Who's collecting our data? Where is it going? Um, and so what happened was I actually, through Twitter, I connected with Anne. Um, we met and we started to put our information together and she had drafted a chart. I said I could help create the online version and add my research to it. And so we created an SCL Cambridge Analytica chart um, of their different companies and shareholders and the whole corporate structure. So that that was kind of my entry into chart making right and and you, you know was, what was it about the uh you know it, it being trump and cambridge analytica that drew you to that because you know this is a, a gigantic scandal and you've helped uncover a lot of it how, how do you how do you actually what, what drove you to uncovering it because it's it's really it's tough work it's it's not easy work to put this all together because they intentionally you know change names and do things you know to make it make it make it confusing for people like you and I to find them. So mm-hmm. so what is it that keeps you driven to to really get this done right because again your your research is extensive and it's been you know uh, for, been 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 done for a long time and it's been pretty great. So like how how do you what actually drives you to do it? I think um I think I'm driven by something that's very common to all of us and it, it's that anxiety and fear and watching um the administration make a lot of choices that seem to be chipping away at our individual rights and our protections. Um, With Cambridge Analytica specifically, it was very much about data privacy and data protections. And um, I had read at some point after um, Trump was elected about the ongoing discussions that Cambridge Analytica and the parent SCL group were having with different governments around the world um, and also in the United States to grow their business further. And so the thought that they would be kind of in some somehow working with um, some government areas, and, and they did end up getting um, a contract with the State Department for $490,000. Um, 
so, so they thought that it was kind of an ongoing relationship with this company that we didn't really understand mm-hmm. who they were. As you said, they have so many different um, subsidiaries and different business units, and it's very hard to understand how they all, all these different businesses work together and um, who's behind them and who's funding them. Um, and so what I did was I just kind of funneled my own concerns and energy. And I personally discovered that I love to do research. So I love to um, get on the internet. I spent a lot of time in companies house, which is where all the UK companies have their filings. Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time on open corporates where um, US companies and also open corporates tracks companies around the world. Um, Just kind of gathering information. And to me, that's, it's, it's very, um, it, it's calming. It makes me feel productive. And hopefully at the end of it, I'm actually gathering information that I can put together and is of value to other people. No, and it is, it has been for, for me. I know that I've used some of your information to develop my own stories as in, you know, you present something and then we cite it in the story afterwards, obviously, but, uh, it really has helped with our investigations at the coalition and elsewhere um, especially to put things into perspective in that in that visual perspective because it's super mm-hmm. hard, um, you know, SCL group, Cambridge Analytica, Emmer data, like it starts to spread out and then you have all these different names that start to come up um, and it starts to get confusing. Well, he only owns part of this and then they start to muddy the waters by fighting back with their propaganda. So it gets tough to get this out there, but writing it down and, and having this visual makes it so they can't talk as loudly. So I, I think it really does dull the noise Um, from them a a lot. This episode of the Dworkin Report is brought to you by resistors like you. Visit DworkinReport.com to see how you can help out. Let's get back to the show. So basically, Cambridge Analytica, um, you know, they got caught taking a lot of data they weren't supposed to and they, they're supposed to have gone bankrupt or shutting down. But um, I, I noticed one of your uh, stories here is about Emmer data. And I, I guess basically what Cambridge Analytica did was they changed their company name and then their corporate structure basically got switched over to this Emmer data. Can you tell me more about this Emmer data deal? Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. Um, so I, I had actually, um, late last year, I had been looking at... Um, the folks affiliated with SEL and Cambridge Analytica and Julian Wheatland, who's the um, chairman of SEL, he had started two new companies last year. Um, Emmer Data was one of them and another one called Fanalytica. Um, and early this year, um, after the story broke uh, that Carol Cadwalder and uh the Guardian and Observer broke and the New York Times broke about Cambridge Analytica um, hiring a firm to harvest data from Facebook and harvesting up to 50 million uh, data on 50 million people. And then the number went up to 87 million people. Um, I had, um, and, and often the information I have comes from people on Twitter, people that kind of tip me off or send me information. But um someone had sent me some information about new directors that had joined Emmer Data. And a few of the new directors that joined in January um, included 
someone named Johnson Chun Shung Ko, um, who is uh, the vice chairman of Frontier Services Group, a company that's run by Eric Prince. And Eric Prince, um, he had been the co-founder of Blackwater. He's the brother of Betsy DeVos, the uh, secretary of education. Um, And he had gone through a lot of scandal with Blackwater, basically stepped away from the company and uh, had gone to live in the United Arab Emirates. And then he had set up this company, Frontier Services Group. So that that was kind of a striking connection to Cambridge Analytica and SCL Group. Um, a few months later, Emirdata um, got a few new board directors that included Rebecca Mercer and Jennifer Mercer. <laughs> so <laughs> it seemed Jeez. like everyone was kind of coming together in this new company. Um, and what happened was uh, when the story broke um, about the Cambridge Analytica Facebook data scandal, um, there was an interview done with Nigel Oakes, who was a co-founder of SEL. And he did say that um, Emerdata was set up to become the new Cambridge Analytica SEL company. Um, and what's interesting today is that while everyone has, uh, the news has covered how Cambridge Analytica and SEL are shutting down, they're not shut down completely. So there are still four companies that I've been keeping track of that um, are active and are not part of the bankruptcy filing. So Emerdata is one of them. Um, Emerdata has a subsidiary called Firecrest Technologies. Um, That's still active. There's um, an SCL company called SCL Insight, which is run by Nigel Oakes. And that is still active. And then there's one company, um, those three are in the UK, and there's one company in the US called Cambridge Analytica Holdings, which is also still active. So it's important to keep an eye on the fact that they're actually not shut down at this point. And a lot of people are concerned that not just that they're going to continue, but that the data, all this data that's been harvested, that is being investigated in the UK and the US and in other in Canada and in you know, different countries that it's actually going to move into these new companies. That that make you know that brings up a great question is is Trump and I I assume that it's a yes I'm not sure how it works you know is is Trump still using this data that he got from Cambridge Analytica or did Cambridge Analytica have a firewall up where they had to like send stuff to it and have control of the data like does Trump have all the data basically on all voters in in the United States? Well, that that's that's a great question, and um, I part of the problem is that because the corporate structure is so confusing, it's really hard to know. And even with all these investigations that are going on, um, I think the answers are not clear. So one one of the big questions in terms of does Trump have the have this data is that um, his digital guy is Brad Parscale, and uh, Brad Parscale was with a company called Gilles Parscale, um, which um, during the 2016 election, they were paid $93 million. So while everyone's looking at Cambridge Analytica, to me, one of the big mysteries is what was that $93 million for Gilles Parscale? What was that for? And they could have subcontracted out to other companies. Um, Did they have 
all the same data that Cambridge Analytica had. And what's happened is that um, a lot of people have kind of branched out and have started a lot of new companies. So I, my most recent um, chart is a chart of social media influence intelligence companies, which kind of all, there's a lot of overlap that were around during the campaign um, that were part of working with the administration and often have had offshoot companies Mm -hmm. that have now been created. Um, So one example is there's a company called uh, Data Propria, and the head of that company is an ex-Cambridge Analytica employee. There are three other Cambridge Analytica employees, and that company is 100% owned by Cloud Commerce, and Cloud Commerce is where Brad Parscale, um, he sold his digital business to cloud commerce. He's now a shareholder and a board director of cloud commerce. They now fully own a company run by ex Cambridge Analytica employees. So a lot of people are asking questions about is, is this data kind of floating around among these companies and still being used? Right. I would, you know, I would assume so. I always assume that, you know, obviously they probably have our data, um, mm-hmm. you and I, uh, uh, everything about us, uh, but, but, you know, it's really concerning to see, you know, what kind of information they may have on people, um, you know, intended to use for blackmail and things like that. I've seen yeah. tawdry uses and they talked about it, right? They talked about being able in on video. They were caught, right? Uh, talking about on video how they pressure politi- politicians with blackmail and other things like that, like honey. Yeah, yeah. The, the, um, the Channel 4 did an undercover investigation and they talked a, about a lot of dirty tricks and after the fact said that it was all talk and it did not represent anything that they would actually do. But that that was really, you know, a very telling video. Um, one other point I just want to make about the data that that's really important is that it's, it's not only a question of who has the, the data, but having um, tens of millions of data points on different um, people ha- allowed SEL Cambridge Analytica and the firms they worked with, like Aggregate IQ in Canada, to develop software and tools and algorithms that a lot of the um, intelligence that was built into these tools came from that massive data set. So even if they're not still using the data, the fact that they built these tools and the intelligence and the the kind of learnings that went into those tools, those tools are still being used. And and so there are two different issues. There's what's happened to the data. And once they build um, software and tools off that data, how how are, are those things being used and distributed? Do you think that he used this data or the campaign used this data to help uh, fight other people as in, you know, using, do they use this kind of data to figure out what words may trigger people? What can be a good thing to tweet out that people get pissed off about? I'm not sure if it goes that in in depth, but it seems like it it did. Oh yeah, definitely. I think, um, I think in fact, Brad Parscale, um, he talked about how they, they ran, I think it wasn't even tens of thousands. I think it may have been like hundreds of thousands of kind of tests and simulations of different ads and campaigns and different um, communications like on social media. So they definitely used data software tools to kind of test out the messaging 
that they then sent out over different social media platforms. Who are the who are the who do you think are like the masterminds behind the Cambridge Analytica scandal? Who are like the big dogs in it? Well, it's that's a great question. Um, Alexander Nix, you know, has been kind of the front marketing guy and fall guy. Um, uh, the the person who harvested the data is Alexander Kogan, um, and he was with a company. Uh, GSR, um, Global Science Research, that used an app, a Facebook app, to collect all the data. Um, so he, he was a pivotal person in collecting all the data. And Christopher Wiley, who became a whistleblower, who led to a lot of the stories that have come out about Cambridge Analytica, um, was also part of, you know, helping to build the tool. I think, though, um, in my most recent chart where I've looked at all these different companies, one of the things that strikes me is that there are a lot of people and um, Cambridge Analytica and SCL, I think we're very good at hiring data scientists and people who are specialists in taking this data. And SCL also has a background in doing a lot of defense work. And so I think one of the the scary parts of um, looking at these companies is that a lot of the work that a lot of these, the people at these companies have done is in the military and it's kind of doing work where they're going into different countries and looking at, um, not just politics and elections, but, um, where there's, uh, warfare going on or, you know, really big, massive issues that are going on in these countries from a defense and military perspective, how can they influence and gain the support of the public or, you know, people on one side or another of the issue um, that's triggering some issue in the country. So I think that that knowledge that SEL had doing defense work, um, what they, they've said, oh, we had, you know, firewalls and we had different companies, but it's definitely not clear that that expertise and knowledge was not fed into and linked to Cambridge Analytica. And a lot of the um, intelligence companies that have come up in the Trump-Russia story um, have a lot of ex-military um, and intelligence people that work with them. Right. So it's this kind of blending of you know commercial business practices with military and intelligence work that is and weapon weaponizing the data. Right. No, it seems like they're they're specialists at that for sure. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. you you had mentioned. Uh, uh, some offshoots. I just want to be clear with, with folks. Were there foreigners working for the Trump campaign? So that's that's another um, area that is not clear yet. And um, if you ask Cambridge Analytica and SEL, their, their answer is that they kept things very separated. Mm-hmm. But because their business structure was so convoluted, um, the the funding and the hiring and the personnel. Um, it's not clear that there were not uh, citizens from the UK or from other areas that were working on US campaigns. This episode of the Dworkin Report is brought to you by resistors like you. Visit DworkinReport.com to see how you can help out. Let's get back to the show. In 
In the final part of my interview with Wendy Siegelman, we talk about one of Trump's shadiest loans from Ladder Capital. Here's the rest of my interview with Wendy Siegelman. Uh, I guess there's there's a different thing that I had noticed in, in some of your research. I know that uh, lots of folks know about Trump's loans from Deutsche Bank, um, but there's this different uh, loan and loans that he he had gotten before from a group called Ladder Capital. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell people why they're important, uh, especially especially in Trump's financial picture by lending him money? Yeah. So I. Um this has been very interesting to me. Um, Ladder Capital is actually uh, the second largest creditor to Trump. And um, I did a chart where I kind of lay out side by side um, the loans from Deutsche Bank and the loans from Ladder Capital. Um, I think Ladder has not had the same amount of attention because uh, Deutsche Bank um, is, is a a foreign bank that has been involved with um, uh, a big Russian money laundering uh, investigation and fine. And so so people have really been questioning um, the financing at Deutsche Bank and if there are any ties to Russia. And there's kind of a history that is more well known. But Ladder Capital um, may just be a a very standard uh, financial company that did basic loans to Trump, but the fact that they are the second largest creditor to the president of the United States makes them worthy of some news coverage and um, oversight. And I've been very surprised that the media has really not um, spent a lot of time investigating and looking at them um, just to understand who they are and whether or not there are any potential conflicts of interest that might arise. Um, Last year, there was um, an announcement that a company called Related Group might uh, purchase Ladder Capital. Um, They have not bought Ladder Capital, but they did invest $80 million, and there are ongoing discussions about a potential deal and Related Group has a lot of uh, people involved that have been also very close to Trump. Um, so so I, th- I, d- I just think it's a, an important area for um, investigators and the media to look at because they do have a lot of leverage as a, a large creditor to Trump. How much money are we talking about? Well, it's, it's, it's very hard to know. What I did was I looked at... Um, I looked at um, the loans that they did, which were all in New York City, and there is a database of real estate filings. Um, but what that can, what that tells is what the original loan is. It, it's not known how much is still owed on those loans. Mm-hmm. I estimated around two hundred and eighty million dollars. So <laughs> Deutsche Whoa. Bank, um, my estimate when I when I worked on this, which was quite a few months ago, so the numbers may be a little bit outdated, but. Deutsche Bank had a, around $320 million in known loans, and it might be s- somewhat higher than that or lower than that, and Ladder Capital, about $280 million. So it's quite significant. Yeah, that's uh, not normal, and, and I still think people are not recognizing the fact of how people uh, you know, you know, influence and power. 
uh, can be influenced by their wallet, as in if someone mm-hmm. has control over it, you know, and, and they uh, are owed a lot of money or something, you know, they're going to, you, you're going to do something in their best interest. And obviously Trump's been willing to sell the office even to, you know, allies, you know, charging Ukraine for a meeting via Cohen. Um, you know, there's been a lot of different things that I, I just ha- had never expected. Uh, but yeah. but outside of letter capital, what else should people be aware of? What do you think people should have their finger on the pulse of right now? I think um, definitely uh, people should be following the money. Right. So I think um, Deutsche Bank, Ladder Capital, um, all of the information, I think that the information that are in the um, financial disclosure forms that are filed, that's really important to keep track of. And it often gets kind of buried under the news. But when people dig into those financial disclosure forms, they uncover things like the fact that... um, Wilbur Ross had not sold off uh, some of the assets and holdings that he was supposed to, mm-hmm. um, even though he said he had. Um, so I, I think keeping track of that, um, that has also shown in some ways where uh, the presidency or people in the administration have profited during the presidency, especially Trump and uh, Jared Kushner, Ivanka Trump, Kind of where they have debts and loan and they loans and they owe money, but also where they're making money. Right. Um, so I think that's really important. I think on the data side, um, I think one of the most important things is trying to differentiate between the things we're learning that are standard practices in any political campaign and election and in politics versus what's unusual and. That, that's a really hard differentiation to make. Um, so the, the chart I put together that looks at all of these different social media influence, um, intelligence companies, a lot of that is very standard. But as I said before, when th- it starts to get merged with kind of um, military grade intelligence and things that are used in warfare, um, you know, what people are calling now hybrid, hybrid warfare, that is not normal. And when that starts to enter kind of standard campaigns and elections, so Brad Parscale is now uh, the head of the Trump 2020 um, campaign. And so I think people should really be watching what he's doing, who, who the different um, companies are that are supporting these efforts, um, the different companies that are working for the Trump administration or members of the GOP that are very supportive of Trump during the midterms, mm-hmm. um, and where they're doing with standard practice and where things are not transparent. I, I think transparency is really important, and we obviously don't have a lot of that right now. Right. And uh, in the end, do you think that uh, all this is going to come out they they're not able to bury it ah oh, that's such a great question um i i think i think i fluctuate every second between right. being hopeful um that things will come out i think the fact that um the indictment uh against manafort has happened that um the investigations um with cohen and you know that 
people who have been very close to Trump are really being investigated and charged and looked at very closely is, is means that justice is unfolding. <laughs> but I think that every day that passes and Trump is kind of uh, making major shifts in the judiciary and um, policies and, you know, regulations that hurt the country. It's, it's also discouraging, but, but I would say that personally I channel my frustration into research. And when I get frustrated, I, I've decided not to be depressed and to be productive. And, and I think that I see a lot of people who get very, um, scared and anxious and want to give up. And if they can just find a way to channel it into something that will keep them moving forward, um, I think that's really important right now. No, I agree. And and I'll just an FYI to everybody, I'll put together a tweet string below the post of the podcast so everyone can see the charts. Uh, they're very extensive and uh, great to look at to, to kind of visualize what's going on here. Um, you know, Wendy, where where can people follow you online so they can see the charts for themselves? They can follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm Wendy Siegelman on Twitter. Uh, and then I also uh, publish everything on Medium. And on Twitter, I have a link to my media, Medium page. But you can also find me, find me on Medium uh, search on Wendy Siegelman. And uh, all my massive, crazy charts are there. <laughs> well, I think they're amazing. It's art to me. And I think yeah. it'll it'll be something that's put into history books as in, well, here's how the here's how the truth started to come out. I mean, it's been phenomenal to see your research because uh you know for a while there at least towards the end of the campaign you know there were very few people screaming about the conflicts of interest and his connects to foreign influence and whatnot um and then you know after that there were there weren't many people who were willing to stand out in front and uh you know risk being sued and attacked and you know everything else that comes along with it and you went out on the front lines and have stood there and been there since and uh, I can't appreciate your patriotism and the things that you do for this country more and uh, I personally thank you and I know that most of the, the if not everybody in the resistance thanks you um in the American people will eventually thank you when, when they realize and catch up to everything that you've you've uncovered because I've seen things that you've uncovered come out in the news a year later and uh it's just been it's been phenomenal so thank you for your work and thank you for taking the time today thank you scott and th and thank you for your work and your voice i appreciate, I appreciate it. it thank you very much <laughs> wendy singleman everybody what a great patriot to talk to can't appreciate her time enough i'd like to thank my producer grant stern you can check out our website at dwarfmanreport.com. It's pretty cool now. Grant set it up as a news aggregator website, and so we've got a lot of things on there. We've got the podcast on there, um, and you can also support our, our podcast on there. So you can click that contribute button in the upper right because we are still independently funded, and we plan to keep it on the, that way as uh, long as we possibly can. So thank you again for listening. Have a great day. Onward!